This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You are about to listen to a special free preview of this month's edition of the Top Rope Nation Classics Bonus Podcast, a show we do exclusively for our Patreon supporters each and every month. If you enjoy what you hear, click the link in the podcast description to visit our Patreon page and start enjoying exclusive content. We've been producing the show each and every week for the past five years, and Patreon is the best way to support the show and help us take it to the next level. For your pledge of just a couple of dollars of support each month, you gain access to all of our Top Rope Nation Classics bonus podcasts, including this one, as well as all of the past editions currently available in the archives the minute you sign up. Plus, a free gift when you join, monthly members-only Zoom hangouts with myself, Justin, and Kyle, a book club with the opportunity to have question and answer sessions with well-known authors, a members-only weekly live video feed as we record our flagship show, an ads-free early release version of the weekly show, free merchandise, and a lot more. Once again, click the link in the podcast description to read more about all of the tiers and benefits. We would be honored to have your support. Enjoy this special free preview of this month's exclusive bonus show, and we hope to see you over on Patreon. We are back with another edition of Top Rope Nation Classics exclusively here on Patreon. It's Ryan, Justin, and Kyle, and we're breaking down the show, a February show, obviously, since we're in the month of February, that won the vote we had over on the Patreon page for the show you wanted us to do. And we thank you, because this is the one we wanted to do. (laughs) It is the uh, February 5th. 1988 edition of the main event, not Saturday night's main event, but the first edition of the main event, the most watched show uh, in North American history. I don't know about worldwide, but for sure North American. So uh, I know I've watched this show now twice getting ready for the pod. We were just talking off air about uh, how much we enjoyed watching it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Glad to have you with us tonight as we break down a show from um, just over 33 years ago. Kyle Ross, you are ready to go tonight. You have you have strength, you have great notes, and you have scotch in the glass. You ready to do this, my friend? What else more does a man need? Two buddies <laughs> as well. God, this is just going to be an all-timer. I was telling you guys off air, I think Super Brawl 2 is our best edition of Top Rope Nation Classic. Maybe makes sense. We talked about doing it for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have very high hopes for this episode to be on that level. I do as well. I have, you know, I always look forward to these, but I'm especially looking forward to this one. Justin Joint, what about you? Uh, yes, I'm very excited. And, and I just want the, uh, the listeners to know that, you know, we're recording this on Zoom. So I have the pleasure of looking at Ryan and Kyle and may I say you are both looking tremendous 
And that just kind of leads me to one question. How much money did you spend on the plastic surgery? (laughs) (laughs) My twins in the other room. This is not the actual Ryan Drosty. Um, This is Brian Drosty. (laughs) And I'm Lyle Ross. Yes. (laughs) That was a good one, Justin. What'd you come Uh, up with that one? Two o'clock, three (laughs) o'clock? About an hour ago. Okay, there we go. All right, so... What we what we like to do here to kind of set the stage before we we go back to 1980s, kind of talk about uh, where we were as wrestling fans at the time. We talk about what was going on in the world uh, that week, early February of 1988. And so, you know, for me personally, I was four years old, hadn't quite start, hadn't quite started preschool yet, so. I don't have a lot of memories from 1988 here and there, but uh, I definitely do not remember watching this one live. I may have because I've talked about on classics before that I would always watch wrestling with my dad or, you know, when I was a young kid. So judging by the rating the show did, I think there's a pretty good chance my dad had it on and I might have watched some of it live, but I, I don't remember. But I did see it, you know, years later and I've watched it multiple times on the award winning WWE network now. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, there wasn't. I was watching wrestling, but I don't have a lot of firm memories of watching wrestling in 1988. I think I was just getting excited to go to preschool. <laughs> Kyle Ross, you were in uh, elementary school, if I'm not mistaken, here in uh, February of, of 88. What was going on with you? Yeah, I was seven years of age. Just started smoking pot for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> right as I took a drink of beer, I'm finishing my I beer. Couldn't oh, have timed that any better. Oh, that God. Is, uh, only one of those things is true. I, okay, uh, I just said I'm not releasing the video from this pod, but I might have to just clip that part right there. That's good. <laughs> um, no, I definitely was seven years old, and <laughs> the state of my wrestling fandom was really quite high. As a matter of fact, uh, just a month earlier, I attended my first ever house show with my uncle uh, and aunt. Uh, it was headlined by the Honky Tonk Man and Randy Savage at the Richfield Coliseum. Uh, that was not the first time the Richfield Coliseum had held wrestling since the uh, Survivor Series. It was the second time, actually. Um, my guess is I, uh, as someone who could not go to the Survivor Series, my family actually believes in hanging out together on holidays. That's Pretty weak where I come from, but uh, whatever. I complained a lot, and they took me, uh, and I think I told the story about holding the foam middle finger and flipping off the honky-tonk man. So, um, yeah, loved wrestling at this point in time. And we'll, of course, be talking about honky-tonk man and Randy Savage here in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Justin Joint, I don't know if you went to any shows uh, during this period or not, because you're close to Kyle's age, but I did look this up, and uh, WWF hit our neck of the woods, Waterloo, Iowa, on January 14th, 88. So they were, less than a month before the show, they were in town. And I don't know if you went to that that event or not, but what was going on uh, uh, with you in 1988? That wasn't at the Unidome, was it? Does no, it, it was at McElroy. It was headlined. It looks like, you know, this is when they had the A, B, and C tour. I would say, looking at the cards, this was probably the B tour. Uh, the headline match was Bam Bam Bigelow and the One Man Gang. Well, that might have been the C because Honky and Savage was the B. <laughs> well, the headline they were also in Clarksburg, West Virginia that night, and that Ooh. had uh, let's see, the Killer Bees against Nikolai Volkov and uh, Boris Zukov in the main event. So okay, I'm not sure have, which one. <laughs> okay, that may have been waterboarding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the A show was in Seattle that night and it had Honky Tonk and Savage on oh, top. So H- Hogan must have been uh, taking some time off there. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so no, I, I was probably, um, I was aware of wrestling, but not really a diehard fan. Um, and I'd say, in fact, this is my earliest and most vivid memory of professional wrestling. I was aware of it before this, uh, but not only is this my earliest memory, I think this clinched me as a wrestling fan. Um, we'll get into it more later, but I was just jaw to the floor at the end of this show. Yeah. I think, you know, for people growing up in that era, uh, especially like your age group, uh, a little bit older than me, a little bit older than you guys too. I mean, you know, teenagers and, and above, this is certainly something that's probably kind of seared into their memory because so many people watched it, a 15.2 Nielsen rating. In other words, uh, 15% of the public watching the show, 33 million viewers. We talked about uh, on our main feed last week, we had a question sent in about could anything ever like match that modern day and we said no for sure not uh, and we talked about how you know wrestlemania if, if they were aired that on regular nbc maybe it could do around like 10 million viewers but that'd still be like a third of this audience um the other thing that makes that even you know the population was less in 1988 so when you're doing 33 million viewers with a smaller population than we have today it makes it even more impressive than uh 33 million would be today to be honest so, um, Kyle, did you have anything to add on, on the viewership numbers or anything like that? Well, yes. Meltzer would like you to know it was only number 32 in primetime network TV that week. Uh, somebody <laughs> shared with me a link where you could look at the ratings. Yeah. Network TV drew that week. My God. I mean, granted, people need to understand there was not a lot of options. Yeah. You know, you had your old here. It's three, five and eight, uh, NBC, ABC, uh, CBS, uh, the Cosby show. Do you know what the rating was the night before for that program? Take a guess. 45 million. You're actually kind of close. You actually did more. It was 34.2. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I don't know. That might have been how many people watched it, but the rating was 34.2. Oh, wow. Okay. My God. And, you know, 33 years later, Bill Cosby and Hulk Hogan have both been canceled. So. Uh, I looked it up, by the way, that house show wasn't just a month earlier. It was actually the weekend before. I'm on oh, historyofwwe.com, oh, wow. the one that I went to. It was yeah. literally the weekend before, January 29th, 1988. And um, to piggyback off Justin's story about you know maybe his earliest memory, this is probably, almost certainly, the only time my mom was ever in front of of the television while wrestling was on in her entire life. Not by choice. We only had like one TV at the time. And because this was on at like eight o'clock, I like, you know, threw a fit and demanded the whole family watch it. And I'm sure she picked up a book and did not pay attention at all and would deny watching this. But she was in the room for the only time in her entire life watching pro wrestling for this. <laughs> wow. Nice. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 
5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. So, I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff around in the fact that, again, this aired in prime time. It wasn't Saturday night's main event aired later in the SNL time slot. This aired at 8 o'clock Eastern on a Friday night on NBC. Uh, the first time of, I believe, five times that uh, WWF aired the main event on Friday night. Uh, of those five, three of them aired live. This was one of them. Uh, the last two did not air live. They were on tape delay. Uh, and... You know, I, I'm sure for Vince to, to get a, a time slot in primetime was was pretty huge. Uh, first off, I just want to say this show was hyped exceptionally well on the weekend television and primetime. You know, you can watch the primetimes around this time period on the network right now. And Gorilla will almost shoehorn hyping the show into every discussion. Like, you know, Bobby, Hino will say someone's like, well, you know, Brain, that's interesting you mentioned that. By the way, did you know that we've got that big show coming up in Indianapolis, February 5th on NBC? Everybody tune in. So they really hammered it home. Um, and the story that you referenced there that Garrett brought to our attention in the Facebook group, um, this is something that is available in the February 15th, 1988 Wrestling Observer Newsletter. If you're a subscriber uh, to that website, you should have access to this particular issue. It's one of only three issues pre-1991 that are available in the archive. And from that newsletter, there's a very interesting tidbit here. Quote, the result of the main event with Hulk Hogan losing to Andre the Giant, spoiler alert, was pretty well known within wrestling circles to the point where it was so well known, I figured it was a, quote, false plant. Actually, here in the Bay Area, it was hard not to know the result ahead of time, being that several radio stations had already reported the title change starting as early as Monday, and that the San Jose Mercury News ran a story on Friday morning in the front page of the sports section detailing Andre was going to beat Hogan to set up WrestleMania. The reason all this became public knowledge was Titan, love when it's referred to as Titan, had already sent advertising agencies info on WrestleMania 4 with the slogan, quote, Hogan tries to regain his title. The funny thing is that the folks at Titan weren't concerned at all about this, and I guess in reality, they shouldn't have been, because all the publicity in giving away the finish had to help the ratings. I know Dusty would turn over in his grave over something like this, says Dave. And it should be pointed out, Dusty Rhodes was very much not dead in 1988. <laughs> I was very confused when I read that. <laughs> Hop in the time machine and go back to Friday, February 5th, 1988. Let's do this. Listen to Man, on the first bus back to Disgraceland. Yeah, cut right at the Market boy. Square Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana, a legendary arena for multiple reasons. I think we'll talk about here over the course of the show. And we've got on commentary Vince McMahon and Jesse Ventura. What the hell is Jesse I should say that we had you know the intro with with the wrestlers. Uh, I was listening a little bit to the something to wrestle that Bruce Pritchard did on this a while back, and he. He talked about how those promos at the top of the show, you know, we had Randy Savage, Honky Talk Man, Andre the Giant, and Hogan. He says NBC would help script those promos. So sometimes they would kind of come across a little bit different than what you would usually see on a WWF show because they would they would work in a, more lines that NBC wanted to see. Like, for example, when we get to the uh, 
the Honky Tonk promo right before the match backstage with Randy Savage. He gets a ton of Elvis references in. And I a guess that ton. came. Yeah, I think that came from NBC. He would do that occasionally on WWF television, but like not this many. You know, I, I got to say, rewatching this, uh, what jumped out to me was him calling Mean Gene Green Bean. Yes. And, and anybody who's listened to this podcast knows I am not a honky tonk man. But in that moment, I was like, wait, am I a honky tonk man fan? And luckily, I too went back and listened to that Bruce Pritchard podcast and uh, was happy to hear that it was scripted. So I'm back to hating honky tonk man. <laughs> yes. And I got my hair slick back. Do 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 do. If we got our Hasbro's <laughs> out here, we're. We got our honky talk man Hasbro's on the on so, the cam. So I know, uh, Ryan, you said you may not release the video, so perhaps this makes for bad podcasting, but I'll talk about it anyway. Yours has a guitar, mine doesn't. Why is that? Well, my wife was out one night with her friends, and there's like this like vintage toy store out where she was bar hopping, and she's like, "Hey, they have old wrestling figures. Is there anything you want?" And I was like, "I don't know, just surprise me, get me something." And so she comes home with the honky talk man. Talk about a surprise there, Justin, right? Uh, he does not have the guitar. I was like, oh, didn't he come with a guitar? She's like, oh, yeah, that one costs like five bucks more. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Never going to forgive her for that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, what your story needs to be is that yours doesn't have the guitar because he smashed it over Macho Man's head. That's true. Hmm. Yeah. So after Vince and Jesse welcome us, almost immediately then we go to this Hulk Hogan lifting video. I got to say, nothing does give me more strength than the classic Saturday Night's Main Event theme, the do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Yeah, that, that was a great intro. Very I liked nostalgic. it better than Obsession. I did. Yeah. So what do you think about this this lifting video? It's kind of bizarre. I The first time I, w- I was re-watching this, my wife walked downstairs and she's like, what are you watching? <laughs> oh, that's always a tough one, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> He's screaming and, li- and looking huge. And uh, we've got the Jake the Snake Roberts theme song on in the background. Uh, it's kind of like a play on Rocky, I guess. I uh, from, from what Bruce said on Something to Wrestle, this was filmed in New York City at a gym. Hogan's not wearing like any of the the typical like Hulkamania gear or anything. He's just dressed like he normally would be at the gym. Uh, but overall, it's pretty effective. I think this is pretty cool. Justin, what did you make of this? Yeah, I thought it was really weird. Um, <laughs> I start I started Memorable. watching it. Yeah, I started watching. I was like, this is odd. So I, I jumped on my phone and God, I felt like I was on my phone forever. And I looked back up and that fucking thing was still going. <laughs> what i was texting you guys this crowd is so loud and i don't know if it's the era if it's how they mic the crowd i don't know if you guys took note of that as you're watching it but like throughout the whole show they react so loud to everything when this when this match gets going which wasn't the first match that night they had matches before they went live on nbc but i mean they're ready to go everything just comes across as like really big time did you guys notice the crowd sounding a little louder than other shows you've seen from that era yeah i mean i think I think it was the result of a you know a perfect build. I'm sure the live audience uh, knew about it being on network television, and I mean Hogan Andre, that's a big freaking deal. And heck, for you know as much as I hate to give him credit, you know Honking Talk and Macho Man were in, in the midst of a pretty good feud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure somebody was probably trying to hype him up, like Justin said. You know, hey, you're on network TV. Let you know they do that now. On TV, let them know how loud you are and how much you love the WWE, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure there was a little bit, but yeah, I mean, this crowd was real hot. And 
you know, it, it's it's such a different crowd than today, you know? Yeah. They're, they're, they're there just cheering for their favorites. It's not like an appreciation of the match. There's no, you know, beard stroking, you know, taking notes of that nature. It's, look, we want Hulk Hogan to win. We want Randy Savage to win. We're going to cheer for that. That's what we care about. Um, yeah, it, it was a really hot crowd. It helped the show, for sure. So they go backstage to Honky Tonk Man, and this is where he uses all the Elvis Elvis references. He references the songs Heartbreak Hotel, Love Me Tender, Teddy Bear, In the Ghetto, maybe even more. Those are the ones I jotted down in my notes, but it's like every other line he's, he's referencing something. Um, and then as he walks off, me and Gene kind of looks up at the sky and he says, I hope the real Elvis didn't hear that. You're <laughs> being a gentleman. I am the honky don't man. What are you saying? What are you saying, man? What I'm saying is this. I've got the title. I've got the belt. And tonight I'm going to get the woman, the lonely woman. Oh, no. And then where are you going to take her honky? Where, where are you going to take her honky? I'm going to take her down a lonely street <laughs> to the heartbreak hotel. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Don't you worry. I won't be cruel. Because I know she wants me to love her tender. Because I'll be her teddy bear. <laughs> and you know where that hound dog Randy's going to be? Where's he going to be? In the ghetto. <laughs> oh, Vince, I just hope Elvis, the real Elvis, doesn't hear that. Let's get back to you. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.